I'm Pat Dossett, and serving things bigger than myself is central to my well-being. Well, there's no other way to say it. This has been a hell of a time to live through. Over the last couple of years, we've faced challenges as Kiwis that none of us have faced before. A feeling of isolation, of exhaustion. Some people have lost their livelihood. Some people have lost loved ones and their sense of direction. But for some people around the world during this time, they've found a way to thrive. So the question is, what are these people doing? Now, there is no one way to achieve optimal wellness, but there are proven principles of how our brain, our body, and our mind work best. And in this series, we're gonna be talking to thought leaders and experts about how to uncover the science to live a more considered life and reach our own unique potential. So for you, will it be how to get better sleep, learning about the fuel that we put in our body, the water that we drink, the power of dropping into nature. I mean, this is gonna be a very personal journey. And like all change, it will take effort, but it can also be a lot of fun. It doesn't have to be hard. Little by little, we can all learn the skills to do big things, and most importantly, have lasting and meaningful change. But just before we start, this wouldn't have been possible without the support of our friends at AIA, who've been on the path with us on this project really right from the start. Like what we're trying to do there, AIA Vitality Platforms, a fully science-backed health and well-being program. It's about making small incremental changes so we can all live healthier, longer, better lives. And also our friends at Stuff, we are so proud to partner with them on this. Beyond these interviews and our top take-homes, look out for other content, all backed by science. Health hacks to help us all live our most elevated life right here exclusively on Stuff. Now there are arguably no tougher human beings on the planet Earth than the Navy SEALs. And today, we're talking to a man who co-founded Made For with one of my personal heroes, Blake Mikowski. For anyone unfamiliar with Blake, he's an incredible entrepreneur that really single-handedly started the buy one, give one business model with the shoe brand Tom's. Now Blake and Pat are doing great things with this company stateside, which is all about the habits backed by science that we can all do as ordinary people to help us live an extraordinary life. This is Pat Dorset. Pat, thank you so much for, for doing this. You've, more than anyone, I think, really dove down to the importance of mindset. You know, working as a Navy SEAL for nine years, um, I'm sure honing your body, honing your mind. And so I kind of want to start there, like what, what was that experience like and how did that set the table, so to speak, for what you've done with Made For? I would say it was a surprising experience. And surprising because um, when I was a young kid, I read a book about the SEAL teams and I had always held SEALs up in such high regard as these superhuman people that um, just did things that were beyond the capacity for most individuals. Um, I worked really hard and I was able to get to a slot to SEAL training. When I showed up, there were 220 other people there, all looked apart, physically fit, big, strong, fast, um, had worked really hard to get to that place uh, in time. And we started training together. And the initial part of SEAL training is about eight months long. Every week we would lose people. So we have this bell that follows us around. And when you decide you don't want to continue, you just ring the bell three times and you can be done. And so that class of 220 over the course of five weeks got down to 150. Uh, that six week of training is known as hell week where you stay awake for five and a half days and you're wet and cold and tired. And coming out of that week, we were down to 36 and the class went on to graduate 17 
out of the 220. What was surprising about it was those 17 individuals, rather unremarkable. You wouldn't have been able to pick them out from a lineup. And in fact, all of the biggest, fastest, strongest people, those that maybe most look the part that you know you could have picked out for central casting to star in the next SEAL film, they were all some of the first to go away and to, to decide that they couldn't continue and it wasn't for them. And so what you were left with were these 17 people that, um, that again, couldn't have been picked out from a lineup, but that possessed something. Uh, and what I found to be the common denominator amongst them was this mindset that allowed them to push their brains and their bodies to places that we might not um, think we could go. And what struck me about that is that that same mindset exists inside everyone. This is not something that's unique to SEALs, um, but it, rather it exists for everyone. And so um, that continued to play out over my time in the team, seeing that the way that these individuals work together, uh, work as individuals, but also together as teams, uh, focused on some very foundational basic practices, uh, some of which we incorporated into, the, into Made For into my work there. But um, yeah, it's kind of surprising that the fundamentals and the basics allow you to do things that um, maybe you thought weren't possible. Well, I think a lot of people would look and go, yeah, of course, you know, someone who's in the Navy SEALs is, is able to do these programs and, and, and improve themselves in this way. I think if we look back before COVID in this crazy world that we're in, there, there was a sense that people found it hard to step out of their comfort zone, to push themselves. We, we found it hard to live in discomfort. It's the temperatures in our houses have gone up, you know, no one wants to have cold swims and all these things that put pressure on us are what we choose to avoid. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great point and I think, um, we maybe traditionally think of stress and pressure as a bad thing, something to be avoided. And certainly the marketplace wants to sell us comfort. They wanna sell us ease and convenience and, and comfort and to minimize any sort of stress. But when you actually pull back and look at it, stress for the most part is actually a very positive thing. It serves a positive role in it. So it doesn't matter if you're stressed because you're learning something or you're having some stress because you're um, preparing to perform in a sporting event, or maybe even the stress that gravity imparts on us, right? It imparts stress, but it allows us to walk and to, to manage our days and to move through our days. And so I think for the most part, stress is a very positive thing. Um, and when we, uh, when, we, when we move through our day in such a way or we're constantly being bombarded with messages to say, hey, avoid stress, seek comfort, that doesn't always serve us well. And I think before we, we get into the, to the juice of it, yeah. you're someone that feels stress, anxiety, all these things, right? Like the rest of us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah? I mean, I think over the course of the last two years in particular, I'm a, I'm a new dad, I've got two-year-old twins, I've got a five-month-old son, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't look for a bell to ring, uh, but there's no bell in real life, right? We have to stay in it and um, figure out how we move through the challenges that we find ourselves in and the stress that, we, uh, that, we're, uh, that we're experiencing. And, by all means, like it doesn't matter if you're in New Zealand, if you're in South Africa, if you're in the US, we're all experiencing challenges. Life is hard, it gets a vote. And so it's on us to figure out how best do we navigate the challenges that we find ourselves in and how do we you know, bring out the good that's inside us and uh, grow through the experiences that we find ourselves in. I think one of the things that I love is you've got to meet people where they are and people are at different stages on the path. You know, I speak to my mum and I'm trying to help her with her wellness and I've got friends who are doing the breathing in the ice baths, but they also want to improve. Yeah. But we are all capable of it. You know, New Zealand right now is in a really tough position. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, we, I told you a little bit, we broke that down. So where, where New Zealand is right now, 
maybe I really would love you to share what you were talking before about we can kind of skip this uh, wellness somewhat epidemic. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but there's so much information out there. It's how do you cut through and how do you get this information that lands on people so that they can actually take it into their real life yeah. uh, and use it and maybe even pass it on to their friends and family as well. Yeah, I think I think wellness epidemic is a perfect way to, uh, to posit it because we're, especially in the US, we're so heavily marketed quick fix solutions and wellness fads and things that aren't really backed in science or um, aren't foundationally um, maybe good for us or serve us well. And in fact, when you pursue things that um, are quick fixes or aren't grounded in science, what you end up doing is losing agency or losing an ability to control things that, that you were designed to control and that if you exert control in specific ways, you can actually be better. And so when we were talking about the opportunity that is presented to New Zealand right now is that you can skip over a lot of the pain and suffering that the U.S. has experienced when it comes to wellness, right? You know, people don't need to spend a lot of money on fancy gadgets and pills and potions and lotions and whatnot. They can instead focus on what are the foundational aspects for wellness and recognize that, look, there is not one way, right? Are, are all of us have an, a unique path to walk when it comes to bringing out the best in our brain and our bodies and uh, discovering how best to navigate our unique challenges in life. Um, but there are some foundational practices that you can start with. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss some of them that, um, that if you start there, if you use that as a starting point, it is only going to affect your, it's only gonna put you in greater control and give you greater agency over time, so. Before we kind of get into it, right now we are in a deep lockdown in New Zealand uh, that has got people struggling with isolation, losing their identity from their livelihood. It's a stressful time. So as your experience um, as, as a SEAL uh, and, and in the process of all the incredible people you've had the opportunity to interact with, what would be your general advice to people right now as they sit at home and they are struggling. Yeah, I think you have to start first by acknowledging the situation and the stress that people are under and that humans aren't designed to be under chronic stress for long periods of time. We can do it, but it has a it has a cost and it affects us. And so um, just acknowledging that first and foremost that what people are having to navigate is hard, whether it's trying to feed your families or make sure that your jobs are secure, or that you're even you know putting your families, you're taking care of your family in the best way that you know how. Um, we don't have complete information on the virus and how we're gonna respond. We're in a third wave, maybe going into fourth wave. We don't know how to do that. And so I think first and foremost, you have to acknowledge the situation. Um, oftentimes when people talk about SEALs and the way that they get positioned um, in Hollywood is that um, they're these people that possess again these superhuman abilities and we focus on like, well, they've got big guns and they've got these amazing superpowers and they can do these crazy things. But I think the thing that SEALs do more effective than maybe anyone else or, or certainly something that they lean in on is this ability to navigate the environment that they found them, that they find themselves in regardless of what that is. And so figuring out how can I be effective in the environment no matter what the environment is. And so I think that's the challenge for New Zealand right now. It's certainly the challenge in America is knowing that there are many things that we're experiencing that we can't control. Uh, we can't control what happens with the pandemic. We can't control um, what happens with our lockdown. We can't control all these things, but knowing that and saying, okay, despite all of that, we're in this environment, 
What is it that we can control? How can we get into action in ways that not only are um, feel accessible and doable, but also are effective that help us navigate this better? And I think that's the challenge. Yeah, what, how can we grow through this yeah. rather than go through this? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of people right now that are in, in a position where they're searching and they're looking for some answers. And that's why this you know made for program that you guys have founded is it's it's a somewhat of a silver lining that this happens in this pandemic. The irony of COVID and made for really coming into the world at the same time. Yeah, it, it is. Um, there is some serendipity there. We by no means knew that a global pandemic was coming and that people would be locked down and especially stressed. Um, when we started working on Made For, what we wanted to do is to make wellness accessible for everyone. Uh, and we wanted to do it in a very high integrity way. So making sure that science was driving and evidence-based research was driving the manner in which we directed people's attention and effort, right? Under helping people understand what they could control um, and the effect that they could expect from that control and getting into action. Um, it so happens right after we launched, um, COVID hit and it came down like a, a big wave on across the US and across the world. And all of a sudden our members and our, our future members found themselves isolated, locked down, uh, increasing amounts of stress. And it probably there couldn't have been a better time to go through our program than over the course of the last year, because um, again, and we talked about this earlier, is that you can go through a bad situation and, and make the worst of it if you so choose, right? We can say, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna handle the stress, I'm gonna have some more alcohol, I'm gonna eat some more food, I'm gonna reduce my activity, I'm going to isolate myself at home, I'm going to, you know, figure out how to um, close, you know, close off my world and just weather this storm and shut down and then wait for this thing to be over and then I'll come out and everything will be fine again. But what we found is that um, we can't control how long this race is, we don't know when it's gonna end and so, um, yeah, we have to figure out a way to, to grow through this. Why is it the human tendency to sometimes make the worst of a bad situation? Yeah. It feels like that is the, 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 the normal setting rather than sort of pushing through and finding a positive. Yeah, I think, you know, we're wired to, um, we're wired to seek comfort and we're wired to um, look for, you know, we're wired to uh, acquire easy wins. And so sometimes uh, when we're stressed, or we're feeling that um, we're restricted, we want, what's the thing that's gonna make me feel better immediately? Is it turning on Netflix? Is it having a pint of ice cream? Is it having a glass of alcohol? Oh, this feels really good. But the challenge with that is, the problem with that is, is that those small actions in any one, any one action like that um, is not gonna meaningfully impact your life one way or another. But what happens is that it starts to help in cult, cultivate a mindset where you, one thing leads to another. Now, I've had a little bit of alcohol or maybe too much alcohol tonight, tomorrow I feel lethargic and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab the food that's most readily accessible and easy and then I feel even more lethargic so I don't wanna like exert the effort to figure out, to check in on my friends or check in on my family. And very quickly you find yourself where um, inertia is driving your actions rather than momentum. I mean, where you've given up agency and now you're, the way that your body's responding to your environment is you're taking an action and it's fostering a mindset that makes you feel less capable, less confident, less certain, uh, which in turn informs the next action. And then very quickly you're in a place where, hey, where I wanna be or where I think I could be and where I am are two different and you don't know how to close the gap on those. I'm, I'm so intrigued as to your daily rituals, you know, and I think that 
I, I love the analogy, uh, the sliding doors of the way we live. You know, one, one small habit done over and over is a different version of me. Yeah. And then there's a version of me where I get up early and I journal and I exercise and it's a different day, a different week, different month and in a different life. Yeah. So what are the rituals that you do non-negotiable in your day yeah. that perhaps we could we could all take something from? So I think the, the first thing that has to be said is that um, nothing is non-negotiable, that life gets a vote and it's not a matter of if, but when. So we can have these idealized sense of like, this is what my, per this is my best self and this is what I do and I'm gonna do this every day, but we're gonna get knocked off that, right? And so, um, but it's how you respond that makes the difference. And so I think for me, you know, things that, um, I try to make non-negotiable and that are really important and that I find if I do them, they help bring out the best in me. Moving my body, getting sunlight, um, taking time to um, just be outside in nature, even if it's just a walk around the block, but being attuned to how is what's going on with my body and how is the environment affecting it, um, even in the smallest of doses, makes a big difference for me. I find that um, something simple as you know, starting my day with a glass of water, um, because I know that chances are uh, I'm a little bit dehydrated and I know if, if I allow that to go far, then that starts to impair my physical and cognitive performance and that has downstream effects that I don't want. And so it's 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 less about any one thing and it's, it's really about, can I find a way to attune in or sense into the signals and cues that my body is sending and how best to respond to them? I know, I'm at my best if I'm moving, if I'm outdoors, if I'm taking a, uh, taking time to um, understand what my friends are going through or my family members are going through and finding small ways to lift them up, to reach out to them, to check in on them and so. I think it does take effort, but it doesn't have to be hard. You know, and I know that's one of your guys' messages. There are a lot of people out there, I don't wanna say skeptics, but certainly people that are like, oh, this is not something for me. I, I could never do this. And maybe they're in a position where they've got a lot more work to do than they, than they see as possible. What do you say to the skeptics? What do you say to people that are finding it hard to take that first step? Never underestimate the power, the power of a small step. And the first step, while it is the hardest, the steps get easier over time. And so, um, Part of our program and the way that we've approached designing it is through the lens of neuroplasticity. So Dr. Andrew Huberman, neuroscientist from Stanford University, helped us design this program. And one of the areas that Andrew studies is neuroplasticity, this idea that we possess the ability to rewire our brain over the entire course of our life. And you can imagine the brain as a proxy for can I change my mindset? Can I change my behaviors? I think we've all been in this place where we thought, um, uh, I'm too old now, or like I've tried and like it never works, it doesn't happen, like, or I have this idealized sense of where I should be and I don't think I can ever get there because this, there's too many steps to take, right? What Andrew has found in his research is that um, there are two ways to rewire the brain after the age of 25. One way is through a short, intense experience, can be positive or negative. So something like a car accident or the birth of a child. But by definition, these experiences are the exception, they're not the norm. The other way, and which I think has great power and should give um, the listeners great confidence is that um, you can approach brain change through small, consistent action over time. So again, this is, this is a testament to the power of small steps that if I can be intentional about the step I take, and I can create some awareness around 
what I'm doing, how it's affecting me, and then sit with that effect and reinforce that through whether it's journaling or just a small reflection like, oh yeah, I went for a walk around the block and it was small, but you know, that actually really felt good. Maybe that's gonna lead to another step. And very quickly, you start to navigate to a new mindset. And when you internalize a mindset, the behaviors become so much easier. So instead of having to exert a lot of energy and like think about, man, this is such a deliberate thing and it takes so much effort to take this step, very soon those deliberate steps become reflexive and you just start moving through your day differently. Um, and that is, um, yeah, it's you know what the small step is all about. For me, uh, everyone's on the path, and and, and that is proven by um, Blake Mikowski. Now, I was a huge fan of Blake, you know, still am, I think, an incredible human. Yeah. Uh, and then I read the story around all the success uh, and all the accolades, and, and he is so successful in what he does. Mm -hmm. But then coming out of that, he, he was really struggling. And I guess that was the ground floor of what became made for. Yeah, we were we were on a trip. We'd been friends for a number of years. We were on a trip together, and Blake asked uh, a question of our. We have a group that we always travel with, and he asked a question in the group. He said, "If you could work on anything, what would you want to work on?" Just purely a passion project. And we went around the table, and when he came to me, I said, "You know, I love this idea of potential and helping people realize that." maybe they have more potential than they think um, they do. And how can you find ways to help people unlock that potential inside? Uh, and right away, this is something that really resonated with Blake. He had found himself at a place in life where by all external metrics of success, he had done everything. He'd started a big company, he had um, a financial success that comes from that. He served a big mission and helped a lot of people and um, had a family and you know kids and everything externally seemed right yet he was um, not in a place where he felt great and, and he couldn't reconcile that. And so part of this, I think for him was an exploration like, oh yeah, let's figure this out because I wanna figure this out. This is something that I'm working on. And so um, that was really the genesis of how Made For started. I think the, the backstory to that is, you know, my time in the teams and seeing how much mindset mattered. And then I was sitting in a, I was going through graduate school and was sitting through a class on positive psychology. and. Uh, I, as a, you know, I think as a SEAL, I'm, I'm kind of a no bullshit guy. You know, I don't wanna, uh, I'm not looking for soft practices and on the surface, positive psychology probably sounds something that's very soft, but when you unpack it, what they were talking about was that in any intervention, be it for physical health or mental health, there are really two ways, two sides to the equation. One side is, hey, we can focus on minimizing downside risk, and negative outcomes, reducing harms, and that's fine, and that's traditionally how medicine is, has approached things, but the other side of the equation is what are the things that we can be in pursuit of? The small things that we can do that help us um, bring out the best in ourselves and that are in line with the way that our brains and our body are designed. So a lot of research has gone into this and proving out these practices, and what I found especially powerful about that is much of what they talked about mapped to what I saw people leveraging in the SEAL teams that, that did that job especially well. And so, um, yeah, so then we started working on it and we brought along people that are far, sm far smarter than I uh, and Blake are, you know, Dr. Andrew Huberman and Ruth Benka and Samra Hattar, these people that come from very different backgrounds, um, 
but that are subject matter experts in how our bodies engage with our environments and how um, we can, uh, you know, why we do the behaviors that we do and how do uh, how does the physiology of our, our, our bodies work and what's the design there and how can we engage a process and a method so that we can not only do something that's accessible and doable, but also is effective and puts us in a place where we're building a mindset that brings out the best in us. So. Yeah, mindset is so important. And I, I want to break down, you know, if you're open to it, we're going to go through some of these uh, yeah. in, incredible sort of, I guess, learnings that, you, that you've found. One thing before we do, though, is I know that from what inspires you, you know, we've talked about this, uh, the All Blacks, right? And, you know, you've, you've been in the Navy SEALs and the, the determination and all the uh, effort and mindset that goes into that. Uh, after having friends and talking with uh, All Blacks, I mean, that is for them, the most important thing, mindset. I mean, you, you, you read a book, you know, with All Blacks, and I know that you're a huge fan. Yeah. You know, do you see similarities there? One, 100%, I think uh, Legacy um, by James Kerr, I believe uh, is the author's name, maybe one of my favorite books on leadership and what it means to how you can effectively um, lead, uh, you know, small team dynamics and how, how the culture in a small team can bring out the best uh, in, in the individuals and in the, in the team. And so I think, you know, it doesn't matter if it's rugby or if it's football or if it's, you know, the military, if you're in a, um, if you're in an environment that um, compels elite performance or high performance, and you're doing it alongside other individuals, there are so many commonalities. Now the outcomes may be different. You know, we deal in life and death in the SEAL teams, wins and losses in the All Blacks, but how we feel that is probably very much the same, right? For, you know, a loss on a big stage to the All Blacks is probably um, feels very much like a death. And so um, it's been, you know, it's been fascinating to me in that my friends that have been professional athletes and that have transitioned out, when they leave those communities of purpose and intention and mission and commitment, and they find themselves um, maybe un, you know, find themselves in the quote unquote nor, you know, normal world and normal life, it feels a little bit, un, they feel a little bit unmoored. Like they no longer have this sense of like, well, I'm, I'm not serving something bigger. I'm not serving my teammates. I'm not serving this bigger mission. And, and that can be a really hard thing to embody, especially if you're in a, if you're in a profession that has such a physical component to it. And so, um, yeah, I find there are a lot of similarities between the All Blacks and, and, the, and the SEAL teams. And Yeah, I think as well it can be an identity thing. And I know a lot of uh, rugby players, you know, that is their identity and then they've worked so hard to, as you say, be part of a team and, and win championships and they come out and they're like, who am I? Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of that with Blake, you know, and there, there is that similarity. The idea is that we are always learning and always growing that's all it. the way until we finish uh, on the planet, right? Yeah, that, I think that's so spot on. And I would say I even experienced that in, in leaving the teams. You know, when I when I was in seventh grade and I read this book, that planted a seed and I, I felt so viscerally connected to the pursuit of that, the embodiment of what it means to be a SEAL and just serving in that community. And that when I left that, um, it, was, it was a weird place to be, it was a weird headspace to be in. But what I found helped me navigate that transition better is that I love diving, shooting and jumping and blowing things up and traveling around, that's all great. But what I found I loved the most about being in the teams was this idea that with a small group of people committed to a mission, a bigger mission, we could have 
outsized positive effects in the world. And so I think it's the same. It doesn't matter if it's SEALs or All Blacks or professional athletes or navigating any type of identity or transition from one identity to the next is finding ways that you can map your effort to something bigger than yourself. I think if, if there's any goal out of this whole thing, yeah. it's about how do you create community? And sometimes in New Zealand, you know, we're a long way away, but also in the country, it can sometimes be hard to find your people, your tribe, your community. Yeah. And these practices, uh, and doing them together, it's it's such a way to bond and connect. And and yeah, I, I, I don't know how important that that sort of piece is, the community piece for you. But in the process of launching this, how much has that community piece uh, been important to the process? It's played such a big role. We we have an advisor um, named Dave Phillips, and he has this line where he says, "You hold the courage of someone else in your pocket." you get to decide whether or not you want to give it to them. And so it's this this idea that um, if you can find ways to bring out the best in someone else, that that um, that that is such a powerful gift that you have. And it doesn't have to come through big efforts, right? It can, um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because when we think about community or we think about our tribes, we think like, hey, I have family members, I have a team, I have, a uh, company that I'm a part of, but oftentimes you skip over all of the various connection points in your life. Walking to the marketplace, you cross someone on the street. Um, do you use that opportunity in the briefest of moments to, you know, can I lift this person up? Can I make eye contact and say, hey, good morning, how's it going? You know, how are you doing today? And in that briefest of exchanges, you can actually change the trajectory of that person's day. And if they, if you can do that, man, what a gift, right? And they, you know what the cool thing about that is, is that they can give it right back to you. They can say, oh, mate, I'm doing great. It's awesome. And like that little interaction in just a few seconds, you know, is is so powerful. And it's this gift that you have at any given point in time. And so when I think about community and when, you know, we're wired to be connected, right? We're not wired to be locked down, isolated, alone. And we find ourselves in situations where we are, it's incumbent upon us to figure out how are we going to stay connected, continue to invest in those people that we care about and to recognize that like connection isn't always, you know, our best friends. And it's not always like those teammates that we're in the trenches with that we can find meaningful ways to connect with even just people that we pass on the streets. Oh, well, I know it's such a mission of you guys as well. This is not an American thing. It's not an American problem, right? Yeah. The globe is going through this shared experience yeah. and that's why the learnings and all the incredible experts that you've been able to bring to the table what you're about to you know pass on uh it's useful for everyone yeah we had a very big audacious vision when we started this and it was this idea that um if we could help someone show up better in their life then they're going to show up better uh, for everyone else in their life. And so a better world really begins with the best you. And so it puts a little bit of onus on the individual to say like, hey, you have to get into action. You've got to do the work. But um, if you can do it and do it in really small ways, then you're going to lift everyone else up around you in the process. And man, what a cool thing, right? If we can imagine like these little flickers of light across the country, across the globe, people showing up just a little bit better for themselves, like now all of a sudden, you know, the interaction uh, in traffic or at the grocery store or in workplaces, not gonna be one that, um, you know, there's gonna be less people triggered, there's gonna be more people just like, oh man, 
let's figure out how to effectively go through this together. And I, to your point, how can we grow through this? And that's pretty cool. I'm intrigued, is there, has there been a moment you know, over the last year and a half where you've just gone, wow, this is the reason why we did this. You know, the, the, this connection and experience I've had with this other person has, you know, made it all worthwhile. So, I mean, so many, countless. I think there was a few, that's, a few that stand out that come top of mind. We have a month that's focused on movement and what it means, you know, the power of movement and serving your body with movement. And so traditionally, when we think about movement, we think, exercise, performance metrics, all right, I need to I need to listen to this coach or this trainer, or this person tell me I've got to lift X amount of weight or I gotta run, I gotta get bigger, faster, stronger. And rarely do we think about movement in terms of, hey, what's how can I serve my body with movement? And when we're kids, we move, we just explore our environment. There's curiosity, there's novelty, and we like we find novel ways to move our body and explore into like, oh this feels good, this dance feels good or this wiggle feels good. And that's and the, the, the movement was the goal in and of itself, not working towards some other outcome. Um, but over time, we lose touch with that, right? And so we have this month focused on movement. And I remember this 65-year-old woman went through our month. And uh, at the end of it, she reached out and she said, you know, I have to tell you something. When I started this challenge, I was very dismissive. I said, this is, this is not for me. I've had knee injuries and like I'm old and I don't move. And like, and, 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 you know, this is, this is just not something that I can do or that I even want to do. But she said, I suspended disbelief because she said, I remember something that you said in the beginning, which is if I feel some discomfort or some challenge, that is a sign, not of my inability to be successful, but rather what it feels like to grow and that there's a tremendous opportunity here. So she said, so I did the month, which again is very simple, basically guiding people to allow them to serve their bodies with movement. She said at the end, she said, I realized something. And she said, at some point in my life, I had internalized that my best days were behind me. And she said, I didn't, I didn't know that until I went through this month. But uh, she said, just in recognizing that I thought at some point I had internalized this idea, I was able to set that aside. And now I recognize that my best days are here now and they're in front of me and I'm excited again. And so you see this little light switch come on inside somebody. It's amazing, it's so powerful. You know, we've had, we've had moments where people, we've been able to get people to maybe express a little bit more vulnerability than they traditionally would. Otherwise would, you know, I'm a, I'm a seal. I come from this masculine kind of macho field. Uh, and I like to talk about the power of gratitude and what it means to cultivate a mindset uh, or an orientation to recognize the good and to celebrate the good no matter what you find yourself in. Um, and that practicing gratitude is not a soft thing. It's actually a very powerful thing. And when we've been able to get people to bring some vulnerability to that, to get into action and do that, uh, we found that it's been transformational for people um, in their relationships with others and with family members. And so these little things where you get someone into action and they see like, oh, wow, I can actually create this effect by just doing this small thing. It, it's, it's a game changer. There, there is something so powerful as well. And when people try these practices and they start to see the results, it's like when you go to the gym and you, all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you go, I feel good. And that's what gets you out of bed and gets you moving and puts the shoes on, right? And, and, and that's what you must find is that when people start seeing change, it excites them, not only for themselves, but to share with others as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, momentum is such a powerful force. And um, it's a little bit of this flywheel effect in that we start really small, 
get into action, see the benefits of those actions, but you repeat that process over time and very quickly what you set as the realm of the possible, what you thought you could work towards, you get to like move that out a little bit further and move it out a little bit further. And quickly these things that were hard initially become easy and just become a reflexive part of how you're showing up and how you're moving through your day. And now all of a sudden what's possible becomes even greater and that's, it's amazing. And so like for us and working with members, you get to see this light turn on for people all the time. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, you got it. And that's always the goal for us. It's like, look, you don't need us. You don't need any physical tools or you don't need anything other than to know that you have everything you need inside of you. You just have to figure out how to get into action and see the effects of that um, so that you can navigate to what's right for you. I think one of the things so many people struggle with is movement, right? You know, you've got a lot of people that are obsessed with the gym and they have these feelings when they're in there and they know the good it's doing to them. But, you know, I think about family members, you know, say my mum, and, and it's something that she's always wanted to do and knows how important it is, but just can't seem to find the path yeah. to making it a part of her life. Yeah. What, would you, what would you say to people that really are finding it hard to, to find a way to drop in to moving their bodies. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think in many ways my default is always start small, but I think even outside of that, what I would say is like, ignore the outcome. Don't make it about weight loss. Don't make it about performance. Don't make it about anything. Find a way to enjoy the process of movement, right? And so for some that might be walking, for others it might be mountain climbing, for others it might be swimming, for others it might be as simple as like rolling around on the floor. We have this advisor for our movement month, um, Rory Cordial, who is maybe one of the world's leading um, uh, uh, physical therapists and performance focused uh, movement experts. And so he works with top athletes and entertainers all across the world. And I asked Rory, I said, hey Rory, I wanna design something this month that not only feels accessible for most people, but that also is effective. And he said, you know, Pat, there's something, what's great about movement is that uh, it's effective at any dose. And so it doesn't matter if you're moving for two minutes, 10 minutes or an hour, it's always good for you. And the more you move, the more you're gonna move. So movement begets movement. And so um, the trick is like, how can you find ways to enjoy moving your body and to serve your body with movement? Um, we, we take people through the, the, the movement gates that babies go through when they learn how to first move, right? How do they go from their backs to their bellies? How do they go from their bellies to getting upright, to getting on a knee, to eventually standing? We take adults through that same process, professional athletes, 65 year old, you know, retirees, it doesn't matter. We take them through, hey, this is how you learn to move and learn to think about movement from a, a way of like exploring Right? What does it feel like to explore into your body and to like use movement as a way to like serve your body and make you feel good again? And that can be, it's awesome. And again, it can come in the form of like a 10 minute walk or just rolling around on the floor, but what's your body telling you and how do you want to move it? And have fun with it. Like that's the trick. Like if you can have fun and reward the process, the outcome will take care of itself. Well, I think, look, in closing, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people out there and we have sort of discussed uh, the state that they're in uh, and how to shift that mindset. You know, yeah. someone said to me that the most powerful thing that we can be if we want to you know, get better is just be open, you know, and, and I think a lot of people find that hard. You know, if there's one thing that you want everyone 
to really take away from not only the the thing that you've founded and, and made for, but in all the learnings that you've had through your career as a SEAL, all the training and all the research you've done with these incredible thought leaders, you know, what would be that one thing that, you know, you would want people to, to take home from, from that experience? Yeah. I think it's that you have everything inside you that you need. Um, you have all of the tools and all of the possibility exists, um, but you're not going to think your way uh, there. That it requires some effort, um, but know that that you can take small steps. You can you can engage um, some very small things in ways that can bring out the best in you, that can make you feel more capable and more confident, uh, help you build a more resilient mindset, and that mindset can bring you to some really powerful places so that you can achieve more than you thought possible. I think, you know, I'm, I'm someone, you know, I've got friends, a close buddy I'm thinking of, he said, look, you can't steer a parked car. You know? <laughs> and I'm a big procrastinator. And I think a lot of people, are, a lot of people are going to listen and, and consume this and be like, yeah, that's great. Like, you know, very soon I'm going to give that a shot. Like, what do you say to the procrastinators out there? Yeah, do it today. Do something small today. Again, take that first step. And I don't care... Look, the size of the step is irrelevant, so make it something that you can do, but do something today. I mean, if you're watching this right now and there's something that you want to achieve, some place you want to arrive to, um, and or you feel some form of discontent, do something small after watching this. Go step outside, take a few breaths, uh, look at nature, call a friend, check in on them. The next person you see on the street, make eye contact and say, hey, how are you doing? Try to lift that person up in the briefest of moments. Find the smallest thing. And when you take that action and you feel the beneficial effects of it, just sit with that. Say, oh man, that felt good. I'm gonna do that again. And then take another one and another one. And very quickly, you're gonna find that you're no longer taking small steps, but you're taking much bigger steps and you're covering more ground. And again, you're arriving at a place that um, maybe you didn't think you could get to before. Well, brother, thank you so much for the time, for all that you've been doing uh, and, and the journey and path that you've been on of service. And uh, really appreciate it. It's an honor to meet you, man. Amazing, thanks for the conversation. Enjoy thank it. you, thank you. And there it is, thank you so much for showing up. Thanks again to AIA Vitality and to Stuff for making it possible. And yeah, look, I know this is an incredibly tough time for everyone. And for me, it's how can we all come together and really try and grow through this instead of just go through it. If it added some value in your life, please let me know or head to wellbeings.nz where I guess we're trying to form a community where we can share content and help each other thrive. Beyond that, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time.